Cards are getting a little bit ugly out there. Give them, give them all a cookie and make them settle down. Before we really get into this episode, I want to preface this entire show by saying I don't understand anything. I have no no idea what's going on, and nobody else does either. The the past seventy two hours have been kind of like one of those weird situations where you're like, this could be the Twilight Zone. Like we could be in like a sub layer just existing in dark matter because kind of crazy sporadic things are happening that otherwise wouldn't. Uh, we woke up in where we live, uh, like Waterloo, which is about an hour outside of Toronto, uh, to a like devastating ice storm. I looked out my window and my car was caked in about an inch of ice. And my uh, I work at a university and they're like, yeah, campus is closed. Uh, the university I work at has closed, I think, twice in its entire history. And they're like, oh, no, we closed. Um, oh. So like an ice storm. Uh, we've heard every version of Ken Holland possible uh, through different media outlets. Uh, Toronto fans are mad about a Matthews contract. That locks him up through his scoring prime as well as the team's window. And also mad about a not Mitch Marner contract. Yeah. Uh, it's been a weird time. Oh, uh, Brian Boyle got traded for a second round pick. For some reason. Uh, it, it's a it's a bizarre, bizarre time. We live in the upside down. Yeah, it, it feels kind of like the upside down. I forgot to even tell you before the episode, but I was so happy with the ice storm. I finally... Finally, finally, for the first time in my life, got to punch through my window. Oh, lucky. Man. <laughs> I am so jealous. <laughs> oh. So the trick is you let your car warm up for about 10 minutes for so the, the part of the ice that is right up against your window melts. But the ice coming down from the roof and attaching to the door is still solid. So when you roll the window down, the ice doesn't move and you can just punch through it. I'm it, so jealous. It, it felt magical. I actually didn't drive. I worked from home today. And I didn't drive anywhere up until I came to come here. And uh, I misjudged how much time I would need to de-ice my car by about 25 minutes. <laughs> um, also, the uh, the little part, the part of your car in the door where the like the window descends into yep. uh, and all the those motors are, I hope that has good drainage because I shoved a lot of ice down there accidentally. I was going to say, how did you pull that with off? The, uh, with the scraper. I was, I was scraping downwards, and instead of scraping off, the ice just slid down into that gap. Why would you ever scrape? down I guess my only gap was at the top and I had to scrape down from the top sideways no but there is a there was no there's no room anyways I'm confused <laughs> if my doors go uh, we'll know why welcome <laughs> to the winged wheel podcast believe I thought this episode we have no content but like we mentioned um, everything happened everything happened a lot of Ken all and talk uh, some pretty specific things were said but the problem was they were said from all angles and, and all perspectives so uh, is anything clarified? No. Do we have a lot to talk about? Yes. Um, the Matthews extension got signed. Uh, there were a couple of trades. I think we already went over this. Kind of unassuming. Uh, <laughs> but they they do explain, or they do kind of give some idea of what the rest of the league will look like. Yeah, we got stuff to talk about. Okay. So. Are we starting with the, the Red Wings? Ken we're going to start with Kenny. All right. Kenny managed to say everything over the last three days without actually saying anything. So, we're back to the, well, now that we're in the upside down. Yeah. Ken Holland said that he's looking towards next year to hopefully contend for a playoff spot. Yeah. And that he might have to re-sign 
certain players to make sure they're competitive next year. I'm paraphrasing, of course, uh-huh, but uh-huh. but in the same breath, he said if really good offers for these unrestricted free agents, and for those who are unaware, we're talking about Jimmy Howard, Nick Jensen, Gus Nyquist, uh, Nicholas Cronwall, um, Thomas Vanek, all the UFAs. Um, he, he might have to sell them if the if the price is too good to pass up. So basically, Ken Holland says uh, in the same breath, I'm planning on re-signing some guys, and in the same breath, I'm planning on trading guys. So what we can take from that is nothing. He might trade all of them. He might trade none of them. And he said as much. As the resident first to criticize Ken Holland, I'm going to do a little bit of optimism here. If you have a general manager who has a lot of assets in a saturated market to sell, this is the best lip service you could be giving because it tells competing GMs or or GMs who could possibly bid on these guys that, hey, um, I can't guarantee that Nick Jensen will be sold no matter what. So there's no way I can just make a lowball offer, assume no one else wants him, and then he'll have to come back to me. Because if he's willing to sign him, then I'm going to have to up my game to make sure I get him. Because I will either lose him to another team or to the Red Wings re-signing him, and then I lost my chance at a cheap Nick Jensen. Um, that And that very well could be. Ken Holland's not a dumb guy. He's This isn't his first rodeo. He's a very experienced uh, general manager. Um, he does kind of know the right things to say, depending on how you want to take that statement. Um, but I don't quite lean into that being the full case. I think there is some truth to it. However, I genuinely believe that Ken Holland genuinely believes that trying to compete for next year is the right move. And I wholeheartedly disagree. I, I disagree with it, but he has to say it. He does. And he, he does. Yeah. He, for all the people saying, oh, you think you're going to compete? He's got to sell season tickets, guys, and get eyes on on the TV. If he says, yeah, we're going to suck next year. It's going to be even worse than this year. Nobody's buying season tickets. Nobody's going in. And guess what? If we as fans do not spend money on the team, <laughs> they don't get to spend to the salary cap. So he has to sell hope and he has to sell it as soon as possible. There okay, so the the approach that I've gathered Ken Holland is taking is he's gonna do whatever gets max value out of these assets. Now, to state that, I know I talked a little bit about this with Gus Nyquist last week. But this kind of applies to all of them. He's going to weigh what's more valuable to the Detroit Red Wings right now. Three years of Nick Jensen or a third round pick? Well, we know Nick Jensen's a terrific defender, even if he contributes almost nothing offensively. He's probably going to come in relatively cheap. I would guess I would keep him happily for three million or less. Um, And a third rounder is only about 11% to turn around into an NHL player, forget a player of Jensen's caliber. So again, it's always not so cut and dry. Even if the Red Wings are a dumpster fire of a team for two more seasons, having a cheap Nick Jensen for that third season could be valuable. There could be a lot to gain from that. We don't know. Ken Holm doesn't know. Nobody knows. He's trying to weigh the benefits. But if a team comes along, we will give you a second round pick and a half-assed prospect for Nick Jensen. Kenny can go... There's good odds that's going to turn into something we could use. That's worth the gamble. Let's ship them off. And it's the same train of thought with Gus Nyquist. Is three to five more years of Gus Nyquist better than a second round pick if 
that's what we're going to get. Statistical odds say yes. That's more likely where the value is going to come from. But then it's you have to do other things to make the team good in that window. Same thing with Jimmy Howard. Now, the only thing that really concerned me is apparently now there is rumors coming from a couple sources that Nick Cronwall might be back next year, which is asinine. Don't get me wrong. When Ken Holland came out and said, no, we are not shopping Nicholas Cronwall this year out of respect for Nicholas Cronwall, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Mm-hmm. This guy is a lifetime Detroit Red Wing. He's earned the trust. His return would not be even worth discussing because is Nick Cronwall getting anything more than a fourth round pick at this point? No. You keep him. You let him mentor the young guys for the rest of the season. I'm absolutely on board with that. But you can't bring him back next year. Here's here's the concern I run into. Um, more so with the defense than I do with the forwards because there's going to be, between Vanek not being re-signed, assuming he's not, um, if Martin Furks let go and like one other, like a Jacob De La Rose or whoever isn't brought back, there's going to be spots available on forward for Zadina, Svechnikov, maybe Valeno, whoever, right? Although, and we will get into that prospects because Ken Holland got very specific on a bunch of them, which I found very interesting. And I do want to spend some time on that later. Um, I'm concerned on the defense. So if the only two pending UFAs on defense for the Detroit Red Wings right now are Nicholas Cronwell and Nick Jensen. If they extend both of them, Detroit's defense next year is looking like Danny DeKaiser, Mike Green, Nick Jensen, Nicholas Cronwall, Trevor Daly, Jonathan Erickson. You'll notice I didn't say Dennis Chalosky or Philip Hironik. That That is my big concern out of what I took from everything that's come out over the last few days. Again, if we resign Nyquist and Jimmy Howard, to me, are the more cut and dry cases for me. I see value either way. If they stay or if they go, there's going to be good value for the Red Wings. I'm not worried about what happens with those two at all. Ideally, I'd like them both traded for first-round picks, but I'm also aware that's a slim possibility for both of them. But we need... Forget Libor Sulak and Joe Hicketts, who are probably not more so Hicketts than Sulak, but who guys are probably ready, getting close to making the jump to the NHL... We need spots for Hironik and Chalosky. Hicketts and Sulak should be the call-ups. Like, if Cronwall and Jensen should go, if for no other reason, then you need the space. Now, if Ken Holland's master plan is, I'm going to keep Jensen and Cronwall, but I'm going to buy out Erickson, I'm going to trade Trevor Daly, because apparently he's got some interest. Cool, that's fine with me. I am okay with that. But... You have assets in the system now that you have to account for. Detroit's already got 10 picks in this draft, two seconds, a very high first-round pick, and they ha- made, what, 30-something picks over the last three drafts? In terms of volume of assets, they're fine. They need game-breakers more than they need volume of assets right now. But for the love of God, Kenny, utilize the assets you have. Uh, I am going to jump in while you take your first breath uh, in the past 32 hours, Brad. Um, I actually, before we go on, if it seems like Brad is getting a lot of words out, he's actually getting his wisdom teeth removed tomorrow, <laughs> which is why he's trying to do as much talking as he could as he can right now. And, and we almost had to record tomorrow, which no. would have been Yeah, Brad was like, I can try to power through tomorrow. And I remember trying to talk a little bit after my wisdom teeth were removed. I'm like, oh, God, no. I appreciate I, your dedication is admirable. 
but yeah. we won't try to do that. <laughs> I was saying I'm getting all four out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fat <laughs> chance you were going to go tomorrow. I should come on. Come on. Everything happened. And then you get nauseous, and then you throw up blood out of your mouth. Uh, I'm going to talk... Would be entertaining for the YouTube part of the podcast. Yes, but we'd have to censor it. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. No, we would just have to demonetize it. Yeah, because there's there's boobs on YouTube, dude. <laughs> Kids, stay off. Parents, <laughs> put on parental controls. I'm going to go in descending order of players where, uh, if Holland re-signed them, how I feel. From most comfortable to fire Holland. Okay. Gustav Nyquist. Genuinely good player. I think how he's playing right now is within his his uh, defined skill set and abilities. Do I think he's going to get much better? No, obviously not. This isn't a guy that's con- like he's going to be 30 next year. But three to four more years of Gustav Nyquist is good hockey, like you said. The guy is what on a 70 point pace right now, especially pretty lately. close to it on an awful team. So if he has a, a Zadina or a Valeno in a year or two that turn out to be real players, that's only going to help him. Um, yeah, I and. and there's nothing I, I know I was coming in a little bit hot before but I think I've kind of leveled my head on this anything less than a first is not enough for Nyquist a first or equivalent assets or a second round pick plus a pretty good kicker plus a pretty good kicker and I'm talking a pretty good defensive prospect or a pretty good scoring forward yeah. like we're talking a future top six guy potentially yeah and and don't be afraid to get creative too if you're Ken Holland because there are teams who are looking for more of the now than the future so uh, Nashville just traded their second round pick for Brian Boyle, so they couldn't trade a second round pick. But there are rumors that Ely Tolvin is not untouchable. So if he's available, yeah, by all means, he's a project. He's had his ups and downs, but take the gamble. He's a player like that's worth the gamble. Yeah, you if you get a return where it's not a first round pick, but it's a second or some kind of package to get a, a player of Tolvanen's caliber where it's it doesn't have to be a, a close-your-eyes home run swing to get him to be a top-six player, then you're talking. And have we seen that type of creativity from Ken Holland before? Not really, but is that something I hold against him? Also not really, because he doesn't have the volume of trades to kind of assess him that way. Um, Nyquist, you sign him for two to four more years. Uh, we've seen players older than him, worse than him, go for more. So if you, if Ken Holland can't get a first this year, sign him on a reasonable deal. He's on 4.75 right now, which I think is a good deal. And the rumor is whatever contract they offer him would not be more, if not very much more, than what he's doing right now, which would be, again, 4.75 for another four years versus a second-round pick. Sure. Yeah, because any sure. one of those years, and you make sure there's no kind of uh, no trade or no move in there, that could be another first down the line. Yeah, uh, the the market's saturated this year, which is kind of unfortunate. But that doesn't mean you have to panic and sell low. Yeah, I've I I know I was pushing really hard before, saying sell everything, sell everything, sell everything. Nyquist has to go for a second or better. No, I think especially with Brian Boyle being sold today for a second, I think Nyquist has to go for a first. Um, yeah, but again, this is as we've mentioned previously, this is not a typical year. Yeah. This is not a typical market. If Tatar can get a first, second, and a third last year, Nyquist should be worth at least that. I, I personally like Nyquist better as a player than Tatar and have for a few years, but Tatar wasn't going up against Mark Stone, Artemi Panarin, Matt Duchesne, Wayne Simmons, all on the market at the same time. So Red Wings fans have to accept that objectively Gus Nyquist is worth a first plus, but because of the market this year, he's probably not. Um, 
Nick Jensen. Uh, Nick Jensen is a player who I think is having the best season he's had. Um, he's been so impressive that he's actually being noticed around the league. And before Toronto traded for uh, Jake Muzzin, I actually think a, a high-caliber team like them would have been likely to trade for him. Toronto's still in the market. And the thing is, Toronto did not give up a couple of their bigger assets that were rumored to be available in um, Jeremy Bracco and Timothy Lilligren. So... Oh. And not to not to say that that there isn't something that could still be done with Jensen in Toronto, but uh, to to clarify, I, I think Jensen is having a great season. I think there's a decent chance this is the best hockey we'll see him play. Um, he's 28. He's not young. I know there's there's this illusion that he's young because he hasn't spent a lot of time on the on the team, but he's a kind of that prototypical Detroit Red Wings pipeline player who doesn't break through the team until they're 45 and <laughs> retired. Um, so he's uh, he's 28. Doesn't mean he's going to get much worse. I don't think he could even still get a little bit better. I don't think it's likely, but there's a chance or even if he sustains this level of play. But my preference would still be to see him move because I think his perceived value is higher than his value would be to stay on the team moving forward. That being said, a decor with a good decor with some other moves made. Uh, Cronwell not there, Erickson not there, um, DeKaiser continuing to kind of play well slash maybe even get a little better, um, and then you get a game-breaker like Carlson in. If you have Jensen in that decor as your number five to seven guy, I don't hate that. I think he's a good defenseman. Um, just right now, I think other teams, A, value him higher than that, and B, are willing to pay up for it. So I prefer to see him moved. I'm not going to call for Ken Holland's head if he's not traded. Again, it's it's concerning because if they bring him back and there are not spots available next year for Chalosky and Hironik, that's the concern. That is the biggest concern, and I cannot stress this or repeat this enough. If they re-sign Cronwall and Nick Jensen, but trade or buy out Trevor Daly and Jonathan Erickson, fine. Make sure... Chalosky and Hironik are fixtures in the lineup next year by any means necessary. Nick Jensen, to me, is a fine defensive defenseman. He skates well, better than any other Red Wings defenseman. He's not a needle mover, though. His career high in points is 15. He has 12 points currently, so he might dance around that career high. He'll probably even break it this year. But he's a defenseman who can't hit 20 points. That's not... He's a valuable NHL defenseman, but he's not a needle mover. He's not the guy that's going to put Detroit over the top. So if I had to make a choice, Nick Jensen doing what he does and doing it well, or a year of Philip Hronick's development, I'm picking Hronick's development 10 out of 10 times. Again, in my perfect world, Nick Jensen is on this team on the bottom pairing in a lineup that features Hronick and Chalosky, but that means Ken Holland's going to have to get very creative in other avenues, which is not his strong point. Moving down the list, uh, I'm going to group Vanek and Cronwell together. If those guys are re-signed, that's like I'm that's I'm like legitimately like not even speculation anymore. Saying that this team cannot move forward with Ken Holland as a general manager, Vanek is one thing. Cronwall and I like I agree with you, Brad, in saying that not trading Cronwall is the right move because you know the guy is a Red Wings legend. He's been at the team his entire career. There is something to be said. Uh, for an organization that respects its players, respects its uh, veterans, respects like the, the impact they brought to the team and their legacy um, from an organizational like value standpoint and just from a sentimental f- standpoint. It matters. It matters to the fans. It matters to the team. Um, but bringing him back is 
a hundred steps too far. Bring him back as an assistant coach. You like honestly, bring him back in player development. He's just he doesn't not have a place on this roster anymore. Um, he would block out players from Hicketts, like Hicketts and Shulak, from ever even sniffing NHL ice time next year. Those should be the depth guys, the number six and seven and, and first in an in injury guys, not Luke Witkowski. Not Witkowski. Hironik shouldn't have to only get ice time if someone if five people get hurt. Hironik, we shouldn't have to be bamboozled by Hironik uh, playing in Grand Rapids. It just it. A lot of things are wrong with the makeup of this roster, and it might seem like that was you know uh, problems of old because we've been singing about them forever. But the reality is that these problems were all laid in concrete, and so they're gonna be problems for some time. You don't extend the problems when you you chip off a piece of that concrete. You don't tape it back on. And, and also, just to kind of circle back to what Ken Holland said about he wants his team to be competitive next year. Great. If this team's competitive next year, I'm on board. That means they're taking the right steps. This team, built as it is, is a disaster. If you want to be competing for a playoff spot next year, this team needs to look very different. So if you re-sign Nyquist and Howard and Jensen and Cronwall... And you bring back Daly, and you bring back Vanek, and you bring back blah, 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 so on and so forth. How can you expect different results are going to be? Sure, you'll get some improvement out of the younger guys who are getting better. Um, you can expect maybe another step from Athens to see you next year, another step from Mantha. Maybe Larkin's even got another step. But that means you can also expect a bit of progression from Cronwall, from Daly, from Erickson. So how, how do you expect the team to improve in that scenario? I... I'm not going to sit here and say I know exactly what needs to change for this team to be competitive next year. I just <laughs> I, ha- I have a lot of suggestions, but again, understanding that as much as we would like to just jettison certain players, we know their contracts aren't movable. So we're stuck with a, a good amount of dead weight no matter what we do. But what I do know is for this team to be competitive next year, it needs to look a lot different than it does right now. Sitting here and saying that means we have to trade everybody. As we've covered, there's objective value to guys to bringing back guys like Howard Jensen and Nyquist. But something has to change. Something. So if you bring all those guys back, change something else. Um, the one thing that really caught me off guard um, was Ken Holland talking about, uh, is he interested in moving young pieces? No. Just hard no. He said, yeah, I'll explore moving some of our veteran players to make a change. I don't think he's aware that there's no value anywhere in the NHL to an ablocator or a Helm or a Franz Nielsen, but hey, the fact that he openly said, no, I'm not moving young guys, but yep, I'm absolutely going to listen on our veterans. That's at least a positive sign because that's not something Ken Holland would have ever said before. He was fully willing to do it. He would have never said it. So that that was actually a very interesting part. Everybody covered Ken Holland this week. We didn't even mention that. Like There was a lot of different outlets that out of nowhere all at the same time had Ken Holland interviews and quotes and articles it must have just been like one session where he was just available either that or i don't put kenny above playing the media um someone brought up on reddit the modified no trade clauses that uh applicator and helm have and they're pretty convoluted but pretty much starting in 2020 Abdul Kader's trade clause can be voided for a year. It resets each of the last three years. And starting uh, June 15th of this year, Helm's um, no trade clause can be voided. Because there's some stipulations, but all of them mm-hmm. say if the team doesn't qualify for the playoffs, mm-hmm. that's one of them, which obviously they're not going to. So mm-hmm. um, It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, Nobody's I, touching those contracts. I could actually see someone trading for Helm for depth if he was making half of what he was making. I can see them trading for Helm for depth when he doesn't have three years left on it. Yeah. Or two years left. So, year and a half to a year to a rental? Sure. I could, I could absolutely see value in Darren Helm. But uh, we're not there yet. We're not going to be for a bit. So, um, talk about the prospects? Let's talk about the prospects because this was the... The very positive yeah, that came out of um, the series of Ken Holland interviews. Yeah, so Ken Holland actually came out and, and said specifically that uh, Philip Zadina would get a look in March. And what's important about this is, one, it validates our theory and our analysis that we had earlier. Uh, if you guys remember uh, an episode where we said, um, basically we found out that Zadina would be exempt uh, from even being considered in the Seattle expansion uh, draft lottery, or the, the expansion draft, sorry, um, if he didn't play more than nine games this year, he would be considered ineligible to even be considered in that draft. So that is an overwhelming incentive for Detroit to not play Zadina more than nine games. So much so, like you factor that in with how he's playing Grand Rapids, yeah, it's a no-brainer. He said he's going to get a look in March. Not he, might. He's coming. So that is a very specific timeline that they have they have mapped out for Zadina to come in and get his time in, um, on NHL ice. I, I didn't even look at it, but I'm going to pull absolutely pull up the schedule when we're done recording, and I'm going to try and pick out when I can guess the nine games. Uh-oh. When do they have a long homestand or a weaker schedule or something like that and go, there's where he's coming. Yeah. Where's his first game going to be? Uh, it's got to be at the LCA. Mm-hmm. I would hope so. It's the same team that Satchelowski in Vancouver. So This is... Yes, but also uh, recalls and who goes down is more Holland than Blashill. Mm-hmm. Who sits in the press box is more Blashill than Holland. Kenny is still a GM, and as we were talking about with um, Yarmo Kekalainen in last episode, ticket sales matter. Phil Zadina's first NHL game, that's a game that should sell out. He's going to put butts in seats. So, yeah, you absolutely make that game at home if you're Kenny. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's important. And another thing Ken Holland did was essentially rank the prospects in terms of who he thought that would be on the team next year yeah. uh, and who's kind of next in line or a step below them. He, he plainly said Evgeny Svechnikov will be on the team next year because he's no longer waiver exempt. Just, yep, uh, Svechnikov will be on the team. Fantastic. I love that foresight. He said he expects Zadina um, to push for a spot and obviously Heronic to push for, like, to likely be on the team. Then what was interesting is he rhymed off a bunch of other prospects um, by name who he figures are a step below. That they may push for a spot next year, but in all likelihood, they're a year to two years away. Uh, A step below sounds like it's a derogatory term, but the fact that he went out of his way to mention them is actually a huge compliment to those players. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he said it about Joe Valeno, Jared McIsaac, and Gustav Lindstrom. So if you want to know where the Red Wings are valuing their prospects right now, there's your guys. There's are the guys they are high on. They are very big on Hronik, Zadina, obviously. Um, Svechnikov, they're still big on. And obviously then Valeno, McIsaac, and Lindstrom, which is good. Hey, defensemen. Yeah. Two defensemen there. Right-handed shooting Gustav Lindstrom, left-handed shooting Jared McIsaac. There's our future second pairing, <laughs> which if all goes well for how those guys project to be, that might not actually be a bad second pairing. Um, if they're really good, that's the third pairing. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if the Red Wings are really good, I should say. If they make a splash in free agency, they go for... Lindstrom, McIsaac on the bottom pairing, Chaloski Hronik on the second pairing, Eric Carlson, and who the hell ever on the first pairing? Who cares? Me. I'll play. <laughs> um, the rest of the league. Austin Matthews signed uh, a five-year extension with the Leafs. 
Interesting, isn't it? Eleven point six seven million dollars. Hold on, it, no, or wasn't 6, it? Three. It was to be specific. It was eleven point six three four. Yeah, because uh, he had to be cute like Crosby mm-hmm. and get his jersey number in there. Isn't he adorable? What a little scamp. He's. Some people are upset by that. They're a deterred by the non eight year commitment. Um, they think it's him not showing commitment to the team or the team not showing commitment to him. Here's the thing. Um, it is not cheaper to buy RFA versus UFA years when you're dealing with a player of the caliber of Austin Matthews who's likely to be the second best player in the world for the majority of his career. That goes out the window because there's virtually no uncertainty besides an injury risk, in which case, who cares, right? Um, that That's all gone. Austin Math, they were never going to negotiate in bad faith like that. It would have been more expensive for them to buy eight years because, you know, buying up those UFA years would have driven up the cost. And Austin Matthews' camp would have said, we're not playing as if we're negotiating with uncertainty. I want to negotiate those UFA years at the value they'll be when the cap rises in those years. This would have been an expensive contract to compensate for that. They were um, from the McKenzie's and the LeBruns of the world were reporting that an eight-year contract would have had an AAV somewhere between 13 and $14 million. More than Connor McDavid. So here's, here's the thing. Here's what we read from this contract. Austin Matthews and his camp is, aren't dumb. They know his next contract is also going to be massive. He's not concerned at all about the lower cap hit because he's going to be signing that next contract at, what is it, 28 years old? 26. Is it 26? 26 years old. He's going to get a ton of money. He's going to get $15 million. He'll get more than $15 million a year um, based on how much the cap is going to go up. And this is also Toronto. The whole reason Toronto did the five-year rather than just paying him the 14 and getting those extra three UFA years is because they're in cap hell right now. They are absolutely screwed under the cap for the foreseeable future so by signing Matthews to only a five-year contract at the lower cap hit they have more cap flexibility let's not forget they just brought on Jake Muzzin for next year as well at a four million dollar cap hit which is all but ensures Jake Gardner's departure Mitch Marner's camp wants about as much money as Matthews got if not more on a longer term contract so the Leafs have to factor that in this is Kyle Dubas saying Here's our window. We have six playoff runs counting this year with Matthews. For sure. We're going for it. If you're upset about that, you are crazy. A six-year window in any professional sport is nuts. This is nothing more than an absolutely diamond, gold, platinum opportunity for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Some of it has to do with luck. Some of it has to do with cap construction. A lot of it has to do with just incredible circumstance. Um, the, the Maple Leafs have a six-year window, and that's fantastic. If you're mad that it's six and not eight, yeah, I'm, let me tell you that you're, you're missing the, the, the point here. This is a fantastic chance for Dubas to try and mess up and 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 then try and he could get it the fifth time. You know, It's, not, uh, it's nothing to scoff at. If Toronto doesn't pick in the first round once in the next five years, that's fine for them. If I'm them, I'm trading that first round pick for a high-end rental every year. Yep. Every year. Yeah, not, not every year. That's dramatic. But you get my point. Like, but you, you could. You could, and it would be the right move. You're, they're positioned to be the new Tampa Bay, which obviously Tampa Bay can't be anymore because Steve Eisman is going to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Breezeball is the cap genius, but 
let me have this. Um, seriously, and if you think that's too much money for Austin Matthews, if you look at percentage of cap hit, there were guys that were worse players that were paid a higher percentage of the cap hit before. If you're concerned about what you're going to be paying him at the age of 26, you know what? You have a superstar of uh, Austin Matthews caliber. You lose the, the right to complain. Uh, I, w- I was talking to Adam and I was just kind of laughing about the people getting upset about like the nuances of it. And all I could think of was at some point when a player is this good, you just have to kind of say, forget it, right? Like we'll deal with it. Like we'll figure it, like we'll figure it out. What's Dubas's strategy? He probably has one, but if his strategy is we sign with whatever it takes to get Matthews on this team and happy, and then we'll just figure it out. What's the worst case scenario. They have, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, and then they have to trade like a cadre or another good player. Oh no. Oh my goodness. You still have the best core in the NHL. Like what's, this is the best version of the truck. They like, I know I wasn't around for 99% of the team's history, but this is the best version of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The league has ever seen in terms of talent. Yeah. Since the sixties, relatively speaking. Yeah. Relatively speaking. Five years at the cap hit he's at, fine. Can you be scared about what the Helen Marner negotiations are, negotiations are going to go? Oh, for sure. We saw what happened with Nylander. Marner's got a more aggressive camp, and he's a better player. People who are pegging him as an eight-point-something player are ridiculous because he's going to score over 100 points. like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Marner's camp wants Matthew's money, whether it's on a five-year similar contract or a f- eight-year contract. And when I say Matthew's money on an eight-year contract, I'm not talking about Matthew's current cap hit. If you're buying all those UFA years, he's going to want that $12, 13000000 million. And he's worth it. He's one of the best players in the league. Now, I think Matthew's is, is a superior player to Marner, but not by a lot. They're very different players, so it's hard to, get, uh, hard to compare because Matthew's is arguably the best goal scorer in the NHL right now, not named... Alex Ovechkin, uh, Mitch Marner might be the best playmaker in the NHL right now. So it's a hell of a good problem to have, but Marner's camp has said they don't even want to negotiate right now. They are not talking contract till the summer, which has prompted all of the offer sheet rumors, which I think is a little absurd because as good as Mitch Marner is, is a team really going to pay four first round picks for him? Because generally the teams that could pay, that that it's worth it to pay four first-round picks for him are the teams who are picking late in the first round. And generally those teams are going for the cup now, which means they don't have a lot of cap space. Also, teams won't even pay four first-round picks for Anthony Davis or the New Orleans Pelicans. So let's just... And then if you're a bottom feeder who's like, we need to get good, so let's offer Sheet Mitch Marner. Yeah, you're not giving up four potential top 10 picks. Sorry. As much as I, I would love to see the absolute chaos that these type of offer sheets would bring, I think we're far more likely to see an offer sheet to a guy like Kasperi Kapanen. 100%. Where it's not quite such a steep price to pay. It's important to note that more than one person has come out and said, Marner's not negotiating during the season at his request. Um, he didn't want the drama surrounding it. Um, and when the negotiations dropped off uh, in the offseason leading into the season, uh, apparently they were pretty close to number. Okay, can I call BS on one thing here? Yeah. I don't want to talk contract because I want to avoid the drama. Um, now, if you signed a contract right now, there there would be no drama. The no contract is is the drama. I, I don't understand that. I get I get what they're saying, but I just it's it's asinine. Come up with a better excuse. I know what you're doing. 
you are waiting to the summer, so you have every last bit of leverage you have. Also, he knew he would come out and have a 100-point season. He yeah. believes in himself. 100%. Um, yeah, if if you think Marner, if you think you can pay 8 to $9 million and get Mitch Marner, you are wrong. If you think, and I don't know how this is going to turn out for turn out for Toronto's cap situation. I do think it's going to be difficult getting him in there. I I think they'll get him in. Obviously, you don't let a player of Mitch yeah, Marner's caliber. You sign Mar- Mitch Marner and then you jettison a cadre or a captain if you have to. Yeah, um, but if they sign him for ten or more, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that's too much. That might be too much if you're looking at Toronto's cap space and not the player that they signed and say, oh, we don't have money for this. Yeah, then that might be too much. But if you look at the kind of hockey Mitch Marner is going to play. Um, you know, for the rest of, for the next 20 years, maybe that's not too much. You get the guy's 21 years old. He'll be 22 at the end of the season. He has four more years where he's still going to be getting better. Yeah. And if you have any questions about uh, how good he is, we're recording this podcast on uh, Wednesday, February 6th. The Toronto Maple Leafs are playing the Ottawa centers tonight. Just go look at um, the goal that John Tavares scored where Mitch Marner sent him up. That goal alone is worth $12 million. It was filthy the way i think mitch marner stole ben harper's soul <laughs> it he, he's a bad man um but yeah so if i'm the red wings and i'm negotiating with marner and he's like i want 12 and a half million over eight years okay here you go i don't think twice he's that caliber of player mm-hmm. and these are not the type of players that are easy to get if they were detroit wouldn't be in the basement right now because Detroit's got great depth and no superstar talent, whereas Toronto's got arguably four superstars on their team right now. And they are gonna they should do whatever they can to keep them. Because look at the last Stanley Cup champions every year for since basically the 06 Hurricanes. Superstar-driven teams. Getzlaff, Perry, Kane, Taves, Crosby, Malkin, Crosby, Malkin, Crosby, Malkin, Datsuk, Zetterberg, Lidstrom, Kopitar, Carter... Doughty. Uh, Brown, Doughty. Like, it's not a secret. Ovechkin. <laughs> Ovechkin, Backstrom, Holtby, Carlson. Superstar-driven league. Although, um, yeah, you could almost argue in terms of goaltending, Howard's in that conversation this season. <laughs> this season, how long that's going to hold up, I don't know, but you need more than one. Hey, Toronto, if you want Howard, you can have him. Oh, Freddie's been fine. Oh, um, man, Adam just texted me. This will be good. Lascaris or Wild? Lascaris. Um, some, there was a tweet that came out basically alluding to how Ken Holland's going to seem like a genius because uh, they have Detroit has their franchise center locked up for however much money over however, however many years. That tweet in a vacuum isn't wrong. Yeah, that's a great... I think Larkin's on a great contract. One of the better contracts in the NHL, um, relatively speaking. But if you think that holds a candle to Matthews as a player or as a contract or anything. I, and I love Dylan Larkin. I love Dylan Larkin. I would take bullets for Dylan Larkin. It's not, you're not even talking about the same sport, but I've been reading the same book. If we replicated Dylan Larkin, we could have two of him for almost the same contract. Matthews got fair. I take two Dylan Larkins over one Austin Matthews. I take one Austin Matthews. Eh, there's only going to be a 20 to 30 point gap between them. It's not, it's not like Larkin's putting up 60 points and Matthew's putting up a buck 20. He, Larkin's going to put up about 80. Uh, well, he's injured now, so it'll probably be closer to 70. But on a points per game pace, and Matthews will be about a buck 10. So that's about a 30 point gap. Yeah. So the Marner contract negotiations this summer, 
Dubas has had a lot of attention, and I don't think he minds it, but I don't think he wants to make a habit out of this. I think he's looking forward to seeing the end of it. He's a smart guy. I don't want to say he's infallible, but I don't imagine him walking into a similar situation like he did with Nylander. Um, Yes, this is a different story because Marner is better. Yes, this is a different story because Marner's camp is even more motivated to to push for him. Um, But I do think that this will get taken care of much more quickly and and cleanly than it, it happened with Nylander. Based on what? My gut. That's all. <laughs> I don't know. Darren, his agent Darren Ferris going on Twitter and basically blasting Leaf, saying they're lowballing the hell out of him. It's probably not helping anything. <laughs> but that's an agent. <laughs> that's an agent doing agent things. Nashville uh, acquired Brian Boyle for a second round pick. Fourth liner, second round pick. Uh, a better fourth liner, a good fourth liner, but... I think he's a fine fourth liner who's a great PK asset with a lot of like intangibles, like leaderships things. Uh, on a team like Nashville, who seems to have all the talent but can't seem to get there, that probably is very valuable. Do I think they'd be better served with some scoring? Yo, yeah, absolutely. But they still got time for that. I think they still have their first round pick, don't they? Yeah. And again, Nashville's in their window. They are one of those teams. Sell everything. Mm-hmm. You do not. If you do not make a single draft pick in the next two years, it's not setting your franchise back that much relative to where you are now. Most of their core is relatively young. They can keep this together for a while before they LA Kings it up and just get old and slow. Um, You go for it. Nashville and Winnipeg and Calgary are leading the same way that Tampa Bay and Toronto and the Islanders are leading. That Uh, will not last. Um, yeah, they, it might last through the regular season, but in my mind, they have to gun for Nyquist just makes too much sense there. Right. It just makes too much sense. A lot of for well, Furland or Simmons or any of them makes sense. Although God, looking at the production, Simmons is getting way overvalued. He's the time to trade for Simmons was four years ago. Not now. Yeah. Yeah. His, his, his even strength production is staggeringly bad Um, right now. Furland apparently Carolina's backed off of uh, the Furland trade talk. They kind of want to see it out. They're on a heater right now. They might. And again, Furland is not the apple of every team's eye. So until teams know what's going on with Panarin, Stone, and Duchesne, they are not going to go out and acquire the secondary prizes. Yeah. Yeah. Panarin, like if, you're, if, if you're Nashville, Michael Furland would do a lot for you. If you're Nashville, Mark Stone would do even more for you. So all the buyers are waiting to see what happens there. Oh God damn it! No, it's yeah, it's just uh, we're looking at our uh, our recording device right now, and it's yeah, it's giving us a hassle tonight. It's because it knows we're recording late, and so it's just kind of. So if you guys hear some weird audio skips, it means we had to get creative with the editing. Yeah, this is what happens when Evan's not here. All our good juju's gone. Um, it's funny. The, I hear the fan turn off, and then it starts lagging. <laughs> I, that doesn't even make sense. We should probably I, stop using a potato to record these things. This thing is a literal potato. Um, the uh, the other trade that Nashville made was uh, acquiring Cody McLeod from the Rangers for a seventh round pick. Nobody cares on either end of that. That's yeah, just because they needed someone to be Austin Watson, who obviously can't play right now. By the way, uh, we lost five minutes of audio way earlier in the podcast and had to kind of do a little editing and start recording again. And if you picked out where that's ha- where that happened, good for you. <laughs> if you didn't, good for us. Yeah. Because um, we literally just stopped the recording, saved the file. We lost the five minutes, recovered what we talked about, just literally picked a point where we could just delete a little bit and start talking again. 
and hope nobody would catch on. So Yeah, we just went through an equipment upgrade. We might have to do that again soon. Um, moving just get on. your your Mac, your $3,000 Facebook machine to not skip when we record audio on it. Hey, man, I got this one. They only cost $2,000. I wouldn't pay for the current ones. I think they're too much money. I got this thing basically half price and feel like I got ripped off already. Yeah, if it's playing like it's uh, you got it for half price. Uh, quick hit. Eugene Melnick has come out and said uh, he plans to spend the cap in 2021 to 2025. Earmuffs, children. <laughs> Bullshit. Also, what about between now and then when all of your best players are going to need contracts? That you're not willing to give them. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, this is very much a case of um, I'll believe it when I see it. Also, what happens in 2026? So um, he thinks the window that they'll magically be in will be gone? Uh, that's when Thomas Shabbat leaves in a very Eric Carlson-like fashion. Mm. All right. Well, with that, I know it's still a little bit early in the episode, but we will head over to overtime. I think we have uh, enough questions to fill up our time. Um, it's actually late here right now. And it's a shorter one, and audio's screwy, and everything's awful. And Brad's we're... teeth are getting ripped out tomorrow, so don't remind me. Four, all four. And one's teeth. heavily impacted. It's going to be rough. Just one's impacted. So, top right, bottom left came in straight, fine. Nothing weird with them. Top left came in straight, but it only came down like a quarter of an inch, so they're probably going to have to dig a little bit. The one on the bottom right's triple rooted, in sideways, pushing all my teeth down, sitting right on the nerve. That one's going to be a problem. Yeah, it's a good thing you'll be out. Make sure they, they told me, they already told me they might have to leave like a piece of it in there. Really? Yeah, like it's on the nerve. Oh, that's devastating. Yeah. Well, like surgery later to get it removed or just let it sit there? They 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 said they've done it before. Just let it sit there. It's oh. fine. Um, I don't care what they do so long as I keep feeling in this side of my face. Yeah. Which I'm apparently at a higher risk of losing than most people who go in to get their wisdom teeth out, which is reassuring. It's still like they said super long odds, but. Oh, well. If you go from one in a thousand to one in a hundred, it ain't great. <laughs> Uh, as much as I would like you to talk less, that does not make for good radio, so make sure that they do a good job. Uh, we'll head over to Overtime, which of course uh, means that we're going to read out comments from our wonderful Patreon supporters. Their comments get read out on air, guaranteed is our way of saying thank you for supporting the show. Of course, this being a midweek episode means uh, Overtime is exclusive to Patreon. Uh, Jeff Chen says, Hi boys, recently I've been having a little anxiety over Rasmussen, and I'm hoping you guys can quell some of my concerns. If you recall, there was some skepticism when he was drafted, but that soon subsided when we saw him light up juniors in the playoffs. In training camp, he did well enough to earn a spot on the team, and I think the fan base was generally excited to see him up with the big club. But I'll be honest, besides a few good games, I've been generally very underwhelmed by his play. For example, with his body frame, I'd expect him to have above-average puck possession, comparable to someone like Mantha, who is obviously so strong on protecting the puck. But every time I see Rasmussen with the puck, he gives it away way too easily, kind of like Abdulkader. I totally get we drafted him for a specific role, which is net front on the power play, but I'd argue if that's the only thing we want him to do, might we have better used a later-round pick for that type of one-dimensional player? I mean, at this rate, he's going to go the way of a Martin Furk, fourth liner, insert second power play unit type player. Is it still too early? What can be done to help maximize his potential? Is there any concern for our top 10 pick? Way too early to start panicking. Couple points I want to make. One, strength matters in the NHL, but also it's not everything. A lot of board battles in the NHL are nuanced. It's about positioning. It's about timing. It's about angles. Rasmussen's young. He hasn't learned those yet. He will. Mantha didn't have all that nailed when he first got into the NHL. 
he learned. I'm not overly concerned about that. And two, Rasmussen isn't very strong for his frame right now because he spent most of his junior career with severe wrist problems, which if anybody's ever had a wrist injury who also works out knows when you have a wrist injury, you can't really work out, at least not strength training anyway, Mm -hmm. because you can't lift weights, whether it's a squat, whether it's a deadlift, whether it's, you know, all the important exercises to gaining strength. Rasmussen, for significant portions of his junior career, could not do. He's going to have a huge summer in the gym, ideally, put on a bit of weight, put on a lot of strength. He is a very one-dimensional player. He is a specialist. We do have to remember this. Think more Thomas Holmstrom than anything else. So I'm not panicking yet. Just understand that a terrific season for Michael Rasmussen will be like 35 goals and 15 assists. Uh, Chris Canal says, we've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amuck, and flat-out deceived. It's a quote from the uh, ever-colorful Stephen A. Smith, the most um, animated, one of the most animated uh, ba- basketball commentators there is. I think he's kind of a knob, but that's just me. Uh, this is the only thing that was going through my head as I saw Brad's tweets last night. This might be a little or a lot extreme, but at what point do we start looking at Chris Illich in the same way we look at Daryl Cates in Edmonton? I view Cates as an enabler for Chiarelli and the whole organization to make these catastrophically bad moves, like what I think re-signing Blashill would be. And to me, it seems like Illich is enabling Holland to make the wrong moves with no threat of any negative repercussions. I tend to think that Blash is a bigger problem for the organization than Ken, but this might have changed my thinking on the matter. It's getting harder and harder to see any kind of vision that Ken Holland has for the future of this team. Anyways, I'm very excited to listen to tonight's show as always. You guys are the best. Um, I think I don't think it's the same. I think Chris Illich is very disconnected from the hockey ops end of things, which the problem would be there. Then, yeah, Ken Holland might have a little more control than any GM should, but I don't think it's the same situation as Edmonton. Um, I've always been a big believer that a, a switch in GM over a switch in coach would be more important right now and would be more impactful, especially if it is like a switch from Holland to Eiserman. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about Holland's comments about his employment in the summer. No, we didn't. Um, re-signing Blashill would be another one of those eh, nothing's going to change unless we change it kind of things and if you're reading all the tea leaves right now it's looking very likely that Blashill's coming back but Ken Holland touching on what I just mentioned did not unequivocally say that he was going to be the Red Wings GM next year He, he actually really danced around saying that he's like I got another year left in my contract but we'll there's a lot of rumors going around right now. We'll see what happens this summer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So at least the, it looks like the thought's in his head that, hey, I might not be the Red Wings GM next year, whether that's him voluntarily stepping down and he's weighing those options, or maybe the Illiches or someone above him is pushing him away to get Stevie in there. I don't know which one, but it sounds like one of the two things is at least being contemplated. Best case, Ontario. He steps down. Into like some kind of executive role, and in comes Steve Eiserman, who then hires Joel Quenville. <laughs> um, the Niebler says, "Hey boys, should we offer sheet Kasperi Kapanen? If we offer four point oh five nine or less, we would only have to give up a second round pick. If we offer more than that, it's a first and a third. I'd be willing to pay him four million a year for a few years as a bridge deal, and only give up a second. I don't think the Leafs could match. What are your thoughts? Kapanen's probably getting more than that, and he knows it. Yeah, he and wouldn't if, sign that. And I'm not. I, I comfortably give up a second for Kapanen. I'm not giving up a first. 
Uh, Jethro E says, how's it going, gents? With the And I believe Jethro's a new patron, so welcome, Jethro, to the family, and thank you so much uh, for supporting the Winged Wheel podcast. He says, how's it going, gents? With the superb owl being a couple nights ago, it made me think about how close to NASCAR, my second love, season we are, which made me giddy with excitement, because race car. Uh, aside from hockey season starting, what are the sports that fill you with nonstop excitement as they start? I go with hockey, NASCAR, and college football in that order. Also, I hope that Stevie Y has a direct line of Kenny telling him, you better not add more contracts that are total crap before I take over on July 1st. Kenny's decisions make me sad. <laughs> oh, uh, sports. Um, for, for legitimate excitement, like where I get amped up, it's hockey season and it's NFL season. End of list. I, I like baseball. I like basketball. I'll watch them, but I don't get nearly as amped up as I do for hockey and football yeah i agreed hockey is like my i'm fairly certain 30 percent of my blood is just hockey at this point nhl when the red wings come back ohl when the kitchener rangers come back i'm all in i'm ready to go i'll watch any hockey anytime i i get so anxious in august and september every year and again thankfully the nfl starts a little earlier so that helps Um, um but yeah like i said i don't get super crazy over any other sport the yeah, hockey, NFL. Uh, I'm big Michigan fan, so college football, especially um, baseball and basketball. I'll root for Detroit sports as well. I'll watch the games where I can casually. I really only follow closely if it's a better year for them. Otherwise, I follow kind of casually, kind of like I'll read the news. Um, I like tennis a lot. I really dig tennis. I'm a big Rafael Nadal fan. Um, I would tr- I want to get into F1. I really want to get into F1. Which you might know a little bit about that because you're a NASCAR fan, but yeah. Uh, Ryan Kearns says, "Hey guys, what are your Red Wings hot takes you're willing to die on? Mine is that Marty Furk is being woefully misused. He should be on a line with guys who can possess the puck, like Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi, Nyquist, Athanasiu. Playing consistently on a line like that would make him a 20 goal scorer. This is my hill, and I'm ready to die." Um, well, I agree that Furk's being underused, but that my opinion on that is entirely revolves around the power play and nothing else. Um, hmm. Red Wings Hill I'm willing to die on that most like I assume it's an opinion that you have that most people wouldn't agree with yeah uh, I know mine one of them this is the one that came to mind first and maybe not the most prominent but it came to mind first um, if the Red Wings had a better decor and a administration that didn't almost intentionally cause some strife I believe that Peter Mrazek could have been the goalie of the future to lead them to a cup I think I think he had the talent. Interesting. I put so much of a goalie's consist- consistency and development in stability and uh, emotional management in the young, tumultuous times of their careers, especially ludicrous goalies like Mrazek. I think he could have been closer to a, a Hashik type in terms of the insane raw talent he had than we anticipated. Um, this is going to sound like a, a bash on, on Blash Hill, which it, it kind of is, but that's not really my take here that I want people to take away from here. My hot take is under with a proper with a proper development path and the proper people teaching him, I true truly believe Anthony Mantha is a year in, year out 40 goal scorer. He has the raw talent, the hands, the shot, the speed. Everything about his offensive game is elite. Everything, but it, just this group of people guiding him are not getting the most out of him. Now that could be Mantha's fault because he's not listening, 
it could be the people who are teaching him or not teaching him the proper things, how to properly utilize his skill. But in almost every aspect of offense outside of speed, Anthony Mantha is the most talented forward on the Red Wings. And outside of skating, every category, shot, hands, puck control, um, ability to win battles on the boards, just everything about Anthony Mantha is elite, but yet for some reason he only scores at a 25 goal pace, which is good. But I think there's another 15 to 20 goals in there per season. Um, Madness says, okay, the only logical reasoning I can see for Holland's recent statements are this. He actually believes he can trade Green and Jensen, just posturing his trade value before the deadline. That leaves spots in the top six for Hironik and Cholowski next year with Cronwall. <laughs> filling the seventh spot. That's if he resigns him. Uh, this doesn't seem terrible to me. It would certainly be hard to watch Croner for one more year, but a send-off like Placanitz this year, retiring the night he hits a 1,000 games would be pretty cool. I think we all know next year is not the year to start pushing for the playoffs, except perhaps Kenny. So I'm not too hurt with any stupid one-year deals for useless players. But anything longer is just plain idiocy. I know this is completely unlikely given Holland's past actions, but we can hope, can't we? If you're setting the bar that low, I think you won't be too disappointed. I, I honestly would be... Almost picketing if Cronwell gets extended. Well, what, that thousand game mark. I think the article said he's seventy six games away, and there's about thirty games left in this season. So he would have to play about forty six next year to get there. That's probably more games than I would want Cronwell to play next year, barring injuries to other key defensemen. What's, what's the point? You know, like what? Just so he sees three. Di- it just does. That doesn't matter at this. Didn't point. Steve Eisman like? just barely finish under 700 goals those yeah. those benchmarks are not that important they're they're cool but they're not that important he's won his cup he's seen success with the team they're not in a position right now to be kind of playing these games it's Didn't, just not time and even with datsuk and zetterberg if they each had one more year they probably both hit a thousand points yeah like they're the, so like yeah. whatever um Hunter Saunders says, Sup guys, as a Liverpool and Red Wings fan, ugh, a man after my own heart. Uh, my Twitter is a pit of despair right now. Feels like Kenny is just seeing how much uh, line the Illiches are giving him uh, if he really wants to bring the same team back next year and make the playoffs. Hironuk should be in our top four. Hickett says the 6 7 guy, and Chalosky playing 20 plus minutes a night. I'm on the verge of buying an Arizona Death Suit jersey at this point. What percentage of a chance is there that we return a decor of. Uh, 65-25, 55-83, 52-3, and then 21 with Blashill next year. That's highly likely. So DeKaiser, Green, um, Cronwall, Daly, Erickson, Jensen, and then... Basically Boston. nobody changed. I'm going to say... I'm, I'm going to be optimistic here. I'm going to give that a 30% chance because I think at least one of them gets moved. I, will, I don't think Cronwall... Like, there's no way Cronwall gets I, I will say... I think it's only going to be one, but I think at least one guy's not back. So that will free up Kron, uh, Chalosky and Hironik to be there all year. Now I know that if Blashill's back, one of those two guys will spend almost every night in the press box, barring injury. But whatever. Uh, hopefully. Next year is Erickson and Daly's last year, so maybe the second half of the season they're gone by the deadline for whatever reason. But God, they talk about Erickson a lot in those articles too, eh? Like... Key injuries derailed the Red Wings this year to Mike Green, Danny DeKaiser, and Jonathan Erickson. Okay, stop there. The first two, I can absolutely see how that hurt the team. Uh, Jonathan Erickson being out of the lineup actually probably helped, so knock that off. Uh, Advanced Water says, which teams do you call by their team name and which do you call by their city? I realized last week I was roughly half and half when my wife asked me who was playing and I said Boston versus the Flyers. I'm guilty of that too. For example, when I say... 
I say L.A., not the Kings. Okay, I'm going to go through this. Let's go through it. Okay, okay hold on. Uh, Tampa Bay or Lightning? I usually say T-Bay. T-Bay? T-Bay or Tampa Bay. I'm not saying Lightning. You nerd. Calgary or the Flames? Flames. I say Calgary. Winnipeg or the Jets? Jets. Jets. Uh, Toronto or Maple Leafs? I call them I, the Leafs. I alternate. I actually go back and forth on that one. Uh, Depending who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to someone from the States, they're Toronto. If I'm talking to anybody around here, they're the Leafs. I'd say commonly the Leafs. I've actually caught myself doing that one before. San Jose or the Sharks? Sharks. I think I say San Jose more. Nashville or the Predators? Nashville. I say Nashville. Uh, New York or the Islanders? Islanders. Islanders, obviously. Montreal or the Canadiens? Who? I don't know. I say Montreal I think I go and Montreal. then Habs and then Canadiens. I think I say the Habs most, honestly. <laughs> Boston or the Bruins? Boston. Boston, yeah. Washington or the Capitals? Washington. Yeah. Vegas or the Golden Knights? Vegas, shut up if you say anything else. Yeah, it's Vegas. Pittsburgh or the Penguins? Uh, I think I say Penguins. I say Penguins more. Or I'd probably Pens, to be fair. Columbus or the Blue Jackets? Uh, I don't... I, I, think I, I think I go with the Jackets. Yeah. Dallas or the Stars? Uh, I think Dallas. Dallas. Buffalo or the Sabres? Buffalo. Buffalo. Carolina or the Hurricanes? Carolina. Hurricanes. I go Hurricanes on that one. Minnesota or the Wild? I'm Minnesota. Minnesota. Philadelphia or the Flyers? Flyers. I, uh, I'd say Flyers and then Philly. Uh, Vancouver or the Canucks? Canucks. I'm toss-up for me. St. Louis or the Blues? I'm St. Louis. Ooh. Colorado or the Avalanche? I go... Huh. You know what's funny? I'm gonna. People are probably who've been listening to us for years and going, "You idiots are wrong on everything you're saying." <laughs> yeah, because they know what we say more than. Yeah, we do. I think it's Colorado. I think I go Colorado on that one. I think I'm Colorado. Uh, New York or the Rangers? I actually say New York for the Rangers. I say Rangers. Uh, Arizona or the Coyotes? Coyotes, just because I. If not, I'll say Phoenix. Yeah, Coyotes. Uh, Edmonton or the Oilers? Uh, I say McDavid most often. <laughs> I think I actually flip back and forth on them pretty frequently. Uh, Chicago or the Blackhawks? Hawks. Chicago. Anaheim or the Ducks? Ducks. Anaheim. Florida or Panthers? Florida. Panthers. Detroit or the Red Wings? Wings. Wings. L.A. or the Kings? L.A. LA. Uh, New Jersey or the Devils? Devils. Devils. Ottawa or the Senators? Sens. Sens, yeah. Uh, We'll head over to Twitter where we have some ask, hashtag AskWWP. Remember, if you want to get some questions in, you can always hashtag AskWWP for a chance for them to appear on the show. Steve uh, Hoffen, Huen, I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong. I think it's Hoffen. says, if the Wings were to sign Carlson, could he get the C over Larkin? No. Not likely. Unless it was a stipulation of his contract, in which case... If Eric, if Eric Carlson's saying, I will sign with the Detroit Red Wings, but you're making me the captain, I am... Sorry, Dylan. This A is going to be stapled to you for the next seven years. <laughs> Ow. Uh, and then we do have one more. I am just scrolling to it right now because I navigated away. Um, it is from Don. He says, um, Brad, Ryan, and maybe Evan. Let's say Detroit gets the number one overall pick in the lottery. Vancouver has traded for picks to get brothers together. If Vancouver says Pedersen and their top ten uh, in their pick, um, Pedersen and their pick in the top ten for the right to draft Hughes, do you do it? I would consider Jack Hughes for Elias Pedersen straight up. Oh yeah, Pedersen and another top ten pick, you'd have to. Good God, no! The, like the, <laughs> that would be a massive overpay by Vancouver. Like Pedersen for Jack Hughes is, you're in the ballpark there. You, you probably actually might have to throw something in with Jack Hughes. Pedersen 
is playing like a man who one day might win league MVP. Pedersen is like, uh, you know how Nick Backstrom goes unappreciated but puts up like 80-plus points? Pedersen's projecting to be better than that. Pedersen is, I think, scoring in his rookie season at near 100-point pace. <laughs> I, yeah, no, it's it's not even up for debate. If Vancouver's like, yeah, we'll give you pick 10 and Elias Pedersen for Jack Hughes, I, I would literally carry Gary Bettman to the stage to announce that trade. <laughs> and with that wonderful visual, we're going to end this week's episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, Sorry about the inevitable audio skips that surely already happened. <laughs> uh, send thoughts and prayers for Brad's mouth. That sounded suggestive. We want to thank all of our listeners, <laughs> our supporters, our Patreon patron, our name level sponsors, uh, the people who really make this show happen Sean Levine, Chad Hiersack, Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Langabeer, Derek Shippert, Kaylin Wood, Charlie Elkins, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Dan Bell, Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. If you guys want to support the show in other ways, Leave us a rating on iTunes. Uh, subscribe however you get your podcast. Go to at Winged Wheel Pod. Follow that account on twi- Twitter. And then the next step is even more important. Head to the bio. Follow our individual accounts. We'd love to engage with you on Twitter. Until Sunday, we'll see you then. What is that hanging from the upper end?